This week, we're joined by Kristen Carrier, co-founder of Seven Summit Snacks. The company's superfood chocolate has helped them land a spot in the semifinals of Startup Canada's global pitch competition. And the province announced a $6 million business support program for women entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm Emily Rendell-Watson, and this is Bloom, the podcast about innovation in Edmonton. Faiza is out sick this week, so I'm flying solo, but not really because I'm joined by Kristen Carrier, co-founder of Seven Summit Snacks. Hello. Hi, Emily. Well, I have seen your chocolate pop up more and more in our city's mountain biking and outdoors community. The other day, I was out with someone who had one of your bars uh, with them to refuel mid-ride. So of course, I had to order my own, which you kindly dropped off last week. And you know, I was keen to learn more about your company. So tell us more about Seven Summits and what you're doing. Yeah. So Seven Summit Snacks was started about two years ago, just over then as an idea and and it was an idea between my sister Liana and myself. I'm a marathon runner and she's a triathlete and we were both really tired of eating carbohydrate gels, cliff bars, those kind of products that are on the market now. Um, I've worked in the chocolate industry for over a decade and she was like, can we eat chocolate instead? And so I thought about it and was thinking about the properties of chocolate and I was like, actually, yeah, chocolate has a really good nutrition profile for endurance sport. So that slow kind of energy burn where you're not going max out uh, with your heart rate, but you are just doing that really extended long grind of activity. And uh, that's kind of how the idea started. And from there, we created our products and and created our brand. And it is actually... Um, maybe I have this on, but it is better in terms of traditional gels or other snacks because the ingredients are so clean, right? Exactly. So that was part of what we wanted our brand credentials to be. The other part of the story is Liana would say to you or say to me, she's like, yeah, I'm tired of being in the grocery store or sports store, like looking at the back of the pack, trying to decipher the ingredients. Like, I don't know what these really long names are of carbohydrates and I've studied nutrition and food science so I'm aware of them and know what their function is but to the everyday athlete it can be a total mystery and so part of what we will continue to do and are doing now are using ingredients that you know and understand and um, yeah that combination of having food that your body already knows how to digest so chocolate honey coconut butter, uh, sugar, (laughs) your body knows what to do with these ingredients. It makes it a little bit easier to digest and doesn't stress out your system while you're trying to do activity. Comparatively, a carbohydrate gel with fractionated sugars or carbohydrates that are new, novel, very scientific, very effective in what they do, they can be overwhelming to your system. And I think a lot of endurance sport athletes will know and have had firsthand experiences where they have upset tummies while they're doing their activities because they are eating so many of these carbohydrate gels and their body just doesn't know what to do with them. So the benefit of having our products and our and our bars is that your body knows how to digest them. So 
it's a little bit easier in your tummy and and you can keep going and not have to worry about having a problem halfway through your your run or your ride. <laughs> yeah, I can personally attest to having a sensitive stomach and know exactly what you're talking about in terms of like even just like talking about bars and gels and like having to integrate them into your activity long before if like you're racing for example um just because yes, you never yeah. know how your body is going to react and like you know, I remember even just being like competing as a skater when I was younger and, you know, my mom telling me, you know, you have to drink a lot of water with this bar and just like having that drilled into you because obviously kind of hard to, to digest and break down. So, but like makes a lot of sense what you're saying in terms of having these ingredients that our bodies already know how to, to deal with. So you looked at this from the, came at this from the angle of, you know, kind of solving a problem, but also improving um, and offering a different alternative to some of the solutions that are already out there. So how did you go from there and what did building Seven Summits actually look like? Yeah, so I have about around a decade of experience uh, in the CPG industry. So that's the consumer packaged goods industry. Um, I worked for some very big labels of chocolate and I have about, so I have a decade of of understanding of the market from a global perspective and what people are looking for. Um, and anytime we used to start a research and development project, we would scan the market. And so we started there, we thought of the idea and I looked around to see, A, is there any chocolate bar that's positioned for a for function? And there's a lot of bars out there that use chocolate within their ingredient line, but it's not of chocolate. Alternatively, there are chocolate flavored, again, energy products out there. So it looked to me like we had an opening, um, a product that doesn't exist. And I'm going to still say that our product in the, in the positioning that we have doesn't purely doesn't exist. And the other trend that we also noticed was higher fat products being used as endurance fuel. So nut butters with a little bit of carbohydrate in there because people are starting to embrace the idea that fat is a good source of fuel. And again, for these long, slow grinds, uh, fat is a good source of fuel. And so people are not as scared to have higher fat products and recognize that in hiking or long cycling, mountain biking, trail running, that fat is a good fuel source. So our bars combine these, these ideas of energy using pure chocolate and then positioning it with a message that the combination of the fat and sugar together is giving you that sustained energy is something that we can look forward to. And so those are the kinds of messages that we're looking for and just product that doesn't seem to really exist on the market today. It seems like product testing would be um, enjoyable. <laughs> for Yeah, so for we've done a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we've done a lot of product testing. So we started our business during COVID. And ideally, we would have gone to races and like demoed bars that way. <laughs> but we started really <laughs> in the beginning of 2020 and we had done one focus group in person and then COVID shut everything down. And I was still, again, having this, this CPG background. I was like, I need, I need some data from people to tell me if these bars are good or not. And we ran a round of consumer testing in the summer of 2020 where instead of having a focus group, we created bars, mailed them out to over 100 people and really used the Edmonton running community. Like they comprised of 75% of our consumer testers <laughs> and they tasted our bars and they gave us feedback. We had quite a lengthy questionnaire that they also filled out and 
these are now our like early adopters for the for the product and we iterated based on their feedback and we have the bars that we have today because of this this research and we did that again at the early start of 2021 um, to look at some potential future launch flavors so we had originally launched with our two dark chocolates and then Again, I put it back out to the community. Again, 75% of the Edmonton running community were very happy to take part. And um, from there, um, again, they helped us to choose which flavor we, we were to launch last year, which we did, and what our next two flavor launches will be from going forward. Mm. Well, if you ever you decide you want to, you know, focus on the mountain biking community in any way, I'm sure there'd be lots of uptake on <laughs> testing. Yes, as well. and we've <laughs> we've definitely seen that. Um, we've focused a lot with growing. Uh, we see mountain bikers as our other key opportunity area, and we've been working with groups like Shred Sisters in Alberta, and we'll be supporting Cassette Collective a little bit this year. Um, but yeah, mountain bikers with their kind of mentality of it's like ride hard but like relax hard as well and enjoy life we uh, mm-hmm. we see them as a target market and we're getting I'm going to say the other 25% of our tasters were probably mountain bikers <laughs> no that's great and you have is it just the endurance chocolate or are there other offerings as well yeah so we have two product formats um, our endurance bar which we've mo- mostly spoken about today we have a larger classic chocolate bar. Um, we call it our superfood bar. So it's an 80 gram bar of chocolate, more similar in format to what you would see in a supermarket or like a lint bar or gallery de chocolat, something like that. We're using ethically sourced chocolate and again, very minimal ingredients. So our Aconcagua bar, for instance, has five ingredients in it total. So we're again, going back to that ethos of preparing bars that are with ingredients you know and understand, making sure that we're ethically sourcing and, and using uh, as few ingredients as we possibly can. And so your background in terms of that you walked me through in terms of working with, um, like you said, some of the world's best known chocolate brands, it's interesting to hear about how you've been able to apply that knowledge to now growing Seven Summits. How did you get into that work in, in the first place? I got my BSc at of nutrition and food science here at the U of A. And from that, knew I was moving to England to be with, uh, yeah, I followed a boy to England. <laughs> and from there was knowing that the two industries were in chocolate or brewing in the town that I was moving to. So basically it was going to be one of the two. And I got my first job with Cadbury in, in Birmingham and the rest is history. So I worked for Cadbury which also included working on brands such as Milka and Green and Blacks. And I did that in, in Birmingham, UK for eight years. And then I worked for Godiva in Brussels for two years as well. A little bit of happenstance and uh, and yeah. Did you ever imagine that doing that work would lead you to launching your own chocolate company here in Edmonton? It's funny because when I was little and I learned about being an entrepreneur, I think like in junior high, I was like, this is not for me. I I want a corporate job. I want a regular job. And here I am today. I think even when I was working within the corporate industry, I enjoyed growing and learning everything that there was to learn about the companies and was thinking more I'd go up like a management track or, or a technical leader kind of track of work. But then, uh, yeah, my life changed in 2019. And 
this kind of like pipe dream that my sister had just it was the logical next step for us so I had moved home in 2019 and from there was like okay we're gonna start I still want to work in chocolate there's not really chocolate industry in Edmonton so to do that I have to create my own path and that's how we started yeah it's interesting that you say that in terms of not being a chocolate industry in Edmonton um when I saw that uh, Seven Summits had landed a spot in the semifinals for Startup Canada's Global Pitch Competition, I wondered like what that opportunity looked like in terms of how big you could grow a company. So, like in terms of where you're thinking of taking this and and your opportunity with Startup Canada, what what was your pitch? Yeah, our pitch is definitely to grow in consumer base and be a nutrition, a sports nutrition option that is globally known. And there is absolutely the possibility to do that from Alberta on a global, truly global scale, not at the moment. Um, however, there is a partner in Calgary who is manufacturing our bars for us and they're going to get us and be able to get us quite a long way. So it's not that there isn't an industry, there isn't an industry really in Edmonton. The the players that are on the market are very well done boutique chocolatiers. Um, however, for mass production, from a mass production perspective, we have a little bit of scale in Calgary. And then beyond that, I'm going to have to probably find a, a manufacturing partner either in Vancouver or, or out east. Part of the um, applying for the Startup Canada pitch is for us to help like grow in scale and accounts and awareness, definitely within Canada, but also into the Pacific Northwest in the US, which we see as our target market. We also have seen some interest come in from Japan based on our relationship, like Alberta Agriculture's relationship with the embassy in Japan. So we've worked a little bit together there and we have interest from potential importers. So these things have come on our radar in the last, I'm going to say, three months. And so did the opportunity to enter this pitch competition. And so that's why we we did it. The support that we get from Startup Canada in Mentorship and Kind is quite good. I sat on a webinar this morning about building your pitch and the resources that are available there for startup companies seems to be really strong and and meaningful. So we're looking forward to taking part in these opportunities that they are offering. Can you tell me more about that in terms of the process um, for anyone listening, even entrepreneurs or companies who are are interested in going through that with Startup Canada? What did that look like in terms of from applying to where you're headed next? Yeah, I think it's basically just apply for whatever. (laughs) I think one, my advice would be, to follow all the different networking groups and startup support groups that you possibly can. I probably get 10 e-newsletters a week from different organizations that offer support to startups. And then it's about just putting your name in the name in the hat. So I'm quite certain I applied for this last year and wasn't successful. And then I was on the newsletter and applied again this year and, and we were shortlisted. So, but from last year to this year, I've learned to talk about my my brand a little bit more. I know a little bit more about what we're asking for and and our, what our growth path looks like. So I'm sure the application that I put in this year <laughs> to last year was was a stronger one. And I guess, again, just being a little bit more established with a little bit more brand awareness also helps. So 
like leveraging the opportunities that are out there from different organizations is quite important, especially for me. I don't have a business background, so I'm learning on the fly. Uh, so I find these types of these webinars and resources, newsletters, very, very effective to help kind of guide my way and shape what I'm learning. So you applied and then you've been able to access some of these, some of this networking and mentorship, and then you'll pitch as part of the semifinals then to with, with a chance at winning 75K? Yeah. So what happens for this competition is the pitch is not until October. So they announced the shortlist very early. However, in that period of time, we have access to uh, mentorship as well as uh, webinars on how to pitch our business, understand what our business model is, and different things like that. So those have just kicked off. So I joined, our again, our first one earlier today. But throughout the period of time now, between May and October, there'll be different op- learning opportunities for us to join up with mentors and access resources that Startup Canada holds as being someone who was shortlisted for this competition. And how would you specifically use the 75,000 if if you do win? The whole pot is 75,000 and the largest opportunity I think is 10 or 15,000, which is still amazing. And we're just trying to refine that right now, but at the same time, we're very serious about moving into the Pacific Northwest as a target market, and we have that earmarked for that. So that would help us obtain packaging that would be U.S. compliant. Right now, our packaging that we have is for Canada, so there's a little bit of different regulations for that. And then, again, just the manufacturing costs that would go with that. There's always a marketing budget that goes with a new market as well, so Probably most of that money would go straight straight to our packaging, yeah. but um, at the same time, uh, whatever extra we could be putting into some marketing campaign in the area. Okay. Yes. And thank you for correcting me on that uh, pot. 75000 is a large sum. That would be <laughs> amazing. <laughs> No, uh, thank you for clarifying that. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, no. And and so in terms of just what you talked about in in doing this in Edmonton and it being a bit challenging because there isn't really, uh, this isn't really happening here. Would you like to see more brands, you know, doing similar work as you in Edmonton? Like would that help to, you know, maybe attract some of that manufacturing capacity like you talked about? Or um, you know, are you you're happy to to outsource some of those bits? Yeah, I think within Alberta, like there is one factory that does co-manufacturing at a small to medium scale right now. So it's nice to be able to access them. However, I would love to do it from Edmonton. I think that there are many entrepreneurs who have business ideas and who are making product that would benefit from a larger manufacturing facility and automation. Chocolate's a very hands-on craft and science, and uh, it can be very time-consuming without any sort of automated equipment. So to be able to find something local that you can go in and not have to commit to ordering 100,000 chocolate bars would be a huge benefit. And these smaller scale facilities are just not available in Canada. And other than like, I know of the one we're using right now, and I know of one out east. (laughs) But apart from those two, 
this kind of like resource that's just a little bit, it's more automated, a resource that's more automated than doing it by hand, but not so big that it's going to break the bank from an initial commitment perspective is something that we could look to develop here in Alberta for sure. Yeah, it seems like that piece around manufacturing is something that we're talking about more and more as a um, just a hindrance for some companies in terms of being able to sort out that piece. So I uh, I hope that we'll see more of that in the region for sure in the coming years or or sooner. Thank you very much for for joining me and. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Faiza couldn't be here. I know she always has excellent questions, especially because she's quite knowledgeable in terms of the food and, and beverage field as well. But I appreciate you talking about Seven Summits and, uh, you know, hopefully that you're able to, to access, access some of those funds through the Start of Canada competition and that will help to propel you even further forward. Thank you. Yes, we're hoping that will be successful and I'll keep throwing my name into as many hats as I can in the meantime, <laughs> because startup <laughs> life is hard and any, any little bit you can convince people to share with you is going to be helpful. Bloom is brought to you by Innovate Edmonton. Last week, we shared the latest part of a conversation between Taproot co-founder Mac Mail and Don Newton, the head of Accelerate Edmonton. They talked about Alberta Catalyzer, the new provincial pre-accelerator program for Alberta founders. Here's the next part of their conversation. We've heard a bit about uh, what Alberta Catalyzer is, and uh, you mentioned a couple of the um, startups that it has supported and that you've worked with so far. But for other entrepreneurs who might be listening to this, how might they determine if Alberta Catalyzer is a program that they should be looking into? So this program is really for businesses anywhere in Alberta or for that matter, businesses who have operations here or want to grow their business into the province. So if your product or your business model is tech enabled, so that really means through technology, your company can grow beyond your own personal expertise, your availability and geographic location. Uh, That's an important piece. Also, those uh, founders that are committed to learning, committed to, uh, you know, want to be coached and are willing to share their progress with their peers. So that's a, a great part of the program as well. Not just what they're learning from the facilitators and coaches, but also what they can learn from each other by being part of that program. So as I mentioned, we have three different learning streams and we want to make the process of joining the Catalyzer as as easy as possible for the founders. So we have one application, one intake that brings them into the program and we help working with them find the area where they would get the best, um, the most benefit out of the different learning streams. So what stage is their company? What's the challenge they have right now? So for our um, early program, Engage, successful applicants may have conducted some customer discovery around the problem they're solving, and they have a potential solution that they're ready to test. So they're using this opportunity, they're learning and uh, coming out of the end with their MVP or an MVP plan to be able to move forward. In Traction, which just launched this month, companies have already launched their MVP into market and they are working toward their first customer commitments or have those first customer commitments. So they're looking at sales and really wanting to have kind of active users on their platform or letters of intent from uh, potential customers to be able to move forward. 
And finally, Velocity, which is going to be launching in June. We're really excited about that uh, third program stream. That's for companies that already have some tractions, already have those initial customers. They're startups that are positioned to begin to scale and grow. So they have that initial product market fit with trending sales growth, revenue, and they're really working on their team to scale their business. But one application, which is great for entrepreneurs. So three different streams for companies at various stages, but when they apply to Alberta Catalyzer, you folks do all the work to find the right supports for them. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I think that's an important piece as well, right? There's a lot of times that um, founders really don't know, where can I get the support I need? We're, they're all kind of at different stages of growth. And so for an entrepreneur trying to identify what's the right program for me, this is now an opportunity for entrepreneurs anywhere in Alberta to kind of come to the Alberta Catalyzer one simple application will help find um, where you fit. And for that matter, if you don't fit in one of these particular learning streams, we can help direct you to other supports in your community. So there's, uh, we see that as an important part of our role um, within the province to be able to help guide entrepreneurs either through the program they can access with Alberta Catalyzer or directing them to other sports in their community. This episode of Bloom is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in the day, you're calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Okay, and we also have some headlines and news for you in innovation today. Unfortunately, I'm missing my partner in crime, um, who always has such thoughtful insights to add, but we will do our best without FISA today. So the Indigenous Friends Association has started its four-week in digital program at the Stanley A. Milner Library, a story that uh, was brought to us by Taproot's new reporter, Brett McKay. And that program introduces students to computer coding while incorporating ceremony, local history, and traditional knowledge into the teachings. The aim of the program, which is being delivered in person for the first time since the pandemic, is to help participants heal through technology. Now, the province has announced a $6 million business support program for women entrepreneurs that will be administered by Alberta Women Entrepreneurs and the Community Futures Network of Alberta. The funding will provide unsecured loans of up to $75,000 to women who are starting or growing a business, and they are meant to be easier to obtain than traditional bank loans. Doug Schweitzer, who is our Minister of Jobs, Economy, and Innovation in Alberta, said that they want to make sure that they're saying yes to more women entrepreneurs in Alberta. Now, finally, Click and Push Accessibility, Inc. and the University of Alberta's Faculty of Rehabilitation Medicine's Rehabilitation Robotics Lab have teamed up to create a mobile app. It's called the Atlas, and it maps barriers to getting around the city that are caused by construction or can also map other impediments to people getting around by wheelchair, bike, or on foot. And that is all for this week. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes of Bloom. You can also visit taprootedmonton.ca for the latest innovation news. Bloom is produced by Taproot Edmonton with editing by Castria. Our music is by Dave Von Beaker and cover art by Vicky Wersinski. <laughs>